Before we get started, it's worth mentioning that the podcast you're about to listen to is an audio rip of a fully filmed YouTube show. While this podcast is perfectly enjoyable in this format, there will be the odd reference to something you can't see. It doesn't happen that often and it won't take too much away from the overall experience. I wouldn't worry about it. But if you do have the time, I recommend Video Namaste in its preferred form, where you can see clips, our lovely faces and Danny's kitchen. You can find it on the Pleasureland YouTube channel, but hey, if this works for you, I'm not going to argue. Please enjoy. I'm trying to see if I can, I can position Jar Jar with my face on that camera. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's a video namaste Christmas special. Who's the beast of Jar Jar Beats? Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hi. To the grotto of uh, cinematic delights history. and history. Welcome to part two of the Video Namaste Christmas. Christmas special. It's not particularly special, but it's a Christmas episode. That's special. That's well special. I guess it's kind of special. Well, Disney scene anymore. What you got there for me? That's us cracked to it. The walnut cake. The moist walnut cake. Mm, I'd show you my bit, but I've eaten it. Did you? <laughs> it's gone. I, I, was, I started mine first. Were you like a sparrow? Like a little bird. <laughs> like a little bird. See, I make a mistake of just shoveling everything down there, and then, then I end the meal, and then it's only at the end of the meal, I'm like, oh! And I've never learned. Riffed like an old woman eating cucumber pieces. Just sitting there going, excuse me. Mm. Yeah, I think when you're eating at Christmas, when you feel like your body's about to tell you to that you're full and that you should stop eating, so you just speed up. <laughs> <laughs> Quick! I've got a light in my own body. <laughs> this is a great idea. My own biology. So this is part two of the our little Christmas loving, isn't it? Mm. Uh, we've already well, discussed... We've got we've got the tree, uh, we've got Jar Jar Banksy's heat, <laughs> we've got some cheesy nibbles, bit of walnut cake. A wee Santa mug. A wee Santa mug, some, some festive gear on. I'm wearing a jumper. I've got I'm on. a sweet Gremlins wreath t-shirt. That's good. Eggnog colour. you away! <laughs> <laughs> Gremlins versus <laughs> <laughs> a Christmas wreath. So uh, our, our subject for Christmas is uh, we're talking about tenuously festive. Tenuously Christmas. Find a camera to look at instead of looking at the fucking floor. Uh, <laughs> my uh, name is Richie. This is my story about Star Trek. I'm pretending the cameras are women that I've just met in a social situation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We wanted to talk to you about a film. Oh, have you seen my Time's a flat circle. <laughs> time, time, time's a flat circle. Let me all must obey. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going for tenuously festive, so that's films that are not really about Christmas, but nearly, nearly Christmas. Kind of Christmassy, because I've said Christmas. Uh -huh. they're not even, this one isn't even that Christmassy. <laughs> it's Christmassier than Robocop 3. That's true, that's true. Mm -hmm. We discussed Robocop 3, but the good thing about Robocop 3 is it was a very, we decided it was a very good film to watch around Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Onwards to uh, Terry Gilliam's absolutely dino. You could have done it with that one. Brazil. 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 <laughs> 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 Once again, some arty type makes a film trying to make the corporate world look bad because they're jealous. You can see it now, Terry Gilliam on all fours licking a businessman's shoe. Please give me money so that I can make fun of you with it and then please pay for the distribution. Pathetic. It could only be Brazil starring Johnny Price. So Brazil kind of exists in its own world really doesn't it yeah it has that little subtitle at the beginning where it's like somewhere in the 20th century and it's got this kind of 1984 sort of vibe going on as well it's very grey very industrial it's quite beautiful in a way oh aye um, and it's, it's dense 
Yeah. Like as a as a it's really as, dense. as a story, it's dense. Visually, it's so dense. Mm-hmm. Like you could still unpackage it. Like each watch, you find new things in the background mm-hmm. or like things that somebody says, and you're like, holy shit, that's talking about that. Aye, no, uh, that's something dense, that got me man. like this watch. Mm-hmm. Like, so obviously, like, fuck knows how many times I've seen it, but every time I watch it, there's something that because there is so much going on, I can latch onto. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like with this one, it was I was able to just really get into all the production design. Like, because you know that when you're watching any Terry Gilliam film, that like that's just kind of par for the course. With it. it's going yeah. to be, uh, there's going to be an element of fantasy in there at least somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like even like Fisher King, which is I, I think the film that he's made that's most grounded in reality. Yeah. Like there's even still like fantasy elements there, and it's all about like you know losing connection with reality. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the recurring themes in uh, in his films. But like, well, I don't know, with so many so many of his films, it's all about sort of escape using imagination, isn't it? Aye, aye, but like exactly. Brazil is specifically about <clears throat> it's a main character who's stuck in a horrible bureaucratic system and his only way of escape is through his dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's like trying not to stay in your lane and be open when there's so much oppression around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but... but yeah, the I, interesting thing is the main character is like, he's a total dweeb. He's a total... He's amazing at his job. He is, he's amazing, he's amazing at, his, at job, his, yeah. his job. And he doesn't want, he doesn't have any ambition, he doesn't... Um, it's, like, it's like corporate ambition, but like when yeah. it comes to actual emotional ambition, he's got hundreds. But like he likes to stay invisible. The state doesn't he really. Ah, yeah. Like encourage that. Sort and of he thing. has the opportunity to as well. Like through nepotism, he can actually like you know get mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. really really good position. Right. But he's he's he's. It's not that he's just kind of riding the ebb and flow or anything. It's like it's just he's. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's just he decides he's happy doing what he's doing. I don't know. Know what I'd do if you ever got promoted? Oh God, don't worry about that. No, but if they did promote you, uh... I've told you before, I'd turn it down. Would you? Really? Really. You've been promoted. It's your mother, isn't it? Pulling strings again. To get to what what I think it's actually about, uh, you have to focus on the fact that he uses his imagination a lot to escape, mm-hmm. and that's the point. Like complete escapism, and again, like back to the Christmas vibe. Like I, I think that's what I get from it. Like that sense of escapism, that sense of fantasy, and yeah. like, you know, again, it's that uh, that certain style of eighties production where there's like so much, like there's so much practicality on screen. Like again, it's one of the great things about. Um, fantasy films like pre mid nineties, mo- like most of the money's on screen. You yeah. see it all, Aye. and it looks oh, it just was so tangible, and you could nearly be there, you know. Yeah, the sort of Gilliam's style is there, and like one of the things that's said in the, one of the behind the scenes, of the talk, I think it was to a production designer or an art designer or something, and he said, like with a lot of films, we'll have a way, we'll have ways of doing things, but when Terry Gilliam says something like, you know. I want this green scenery and I want the buildings to shoot up out of the ground, uh. like the big towers. Or I want someone to fly. <laughs> like, you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, Gilliam's, so, there's Gilliam's so much amazing kind of boy. practical model effects and um, in the dream sequences. But even in the sort of design of the, the city and all that stuff as well, it's got that kind of the art deco thing we were talking Aye. about. It's, it's very like retro futuristic. It's got it's got like retro futurism and in terms of like giant sort of monolithic buildings and shadows and like mm-hmm. the lighting and then you've got tiny wee computer screens but they're magnified yeah so it's like oh, I love that ah, so, it's actually so yeah I love how analog a lot of it is like I love the phones uh, I, and I, the, I like yeah, I like the fact the that it's like the... it's it's like they've no mastered that technology having the big tellies but they want it now so mm. that's why it's magnified yeah, but yeah. they're not ready for technology to catch up so they want that now oh, right, so yeah. that's why it's magnified because they're like that's not good enough yeah it's a bit of a technology obsessed society where it's all about convenience but nothing quite works well, aye. like you have that scene at the beginning with the toast being made and aye. then the the tea pours out but it pours out onto On the, the toast, toast and aye. but yeah. aye, there's i've got like i've got quite a strong connection to brazil because i got <laughs> I grew up Brazil and another film the same time, second hand for Avalanche when I was like 14 on DVD, Brazil and The Crow. Oh. They were my, uh. they, I got them, I got them and they were like, they were like that my was two a big happy ones. Month. That was, that was a, that was a good day. But 
Brazil was like the first film I'd watched like into my into my teens that actually made me think. Mm. And it made right, I didn't right. I no no like I was sitting there like <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's 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 that it's the first film that I'd properly watched where I was like there's maybe this and maybe actual cinema than what I'm letting myself indulge in. Mm-hmm. So it's like I just, like I, I like I always say like Brazil's like is one of my favourites. Like I know it's one of your favourites as well, actually. But it's like there's there's a lot to unpack. But yeah. I've got like a strong connection just because it was that first film that made me think like films can have like a strong message and a strong artistic message behind them and not just like 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 the crow like it's there's a strong message but it's just like a big goth fest and mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like it's there is a lot in there to think like this is trying to say something to me yeah. so it's like and and i actually appreciate it that's not like push you away either no. it's not it's not, like, like, it's not like banksy well, like, <laughs> yeah no that, totally that's what it's i was going to say like the thing the thing that i like about the messages in brazil is it's always just it's always it's not sort of trying to sort of grab you and go think about this this it's is more, bad the more the way that it's the, the messages that it has is just how silly things are, like Aye. how silly modern things are, how silly bureaucracy is, Aye. how silly our obsession with technology is. Mm. And it's always like, it's none of it's trying to say like, wh- where are we going? Um, it's just saying, be careful. Aye. Like, it's just, all it's saying, like it's just trying to be a film that's kind of, uh, it's a good satire. fun, but it also makes you sort of, it, it just has things that you recognise. Aye. Basically, yeah, it's a good satire. Like, like you just laugh at the absurdity of yeah. it rather uh-huh. than it going, you're a fanny for not seeing this. Uh, like, yeah. How funny you know is I mean? it as well, like when like, yeah. there's, ex- there's explosions going off, there's terrorist acts happening, and then all these like old women are like, oh, that's terrible, just trying uh, to enjoy In the same tea. cafe, they're just like... like... Salt! Line like just near the end, where um, I'm guessing we're talking about spoilers, like oh, yeah, yeah. Seen when um, Sam's just about to get tortured for information, and the guard says to him, Just like gee up easily because you'll affect your credit rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> Fucking hell. I know it's like, no matter how grim it is, and it's fucking grim, Aye. like uh, it it's still manages funny. to pull you back Aye. with a wee bit of humour, like because it is just it, like I would sooner sit down and Watch Brazil, maybe not read it. Soon as I didn't and uh, watch Brazil, then watch 1984 oh, by aye, any time. Aye. Just because 1984 is great, yeah, but yeah. like it, it does it sends the exact same message, mm-hmm. but like in a more um, involving way, you aye. know, it's not like it's not that finger wag no, yeah, for like two well, and a half hours. 1984 is like a really heavy kind of analysis, and there is a lot of it in there that, that you're like, fuck, that fuck. is how. <laughs> There's not so much of that in Brazil, I don't think. I mean, it's got the tone, and you're right, it has the sort of similar message, but it's not the sort of, and here's how it works. Aye. It's just it's uh, more playful. It's more just like, yeah, exactly. You know. But um, like the interesting thing, uh, again, there's like a making of documentary called What is Brazil? And everyone's asked, like, what is, that's the question that everyone's asked. Like, when it, referring to the title, and I don't think anybody has like a proper, I don't think even Terry Gilliam has a proper answer, but I think it comes from, uh, I quite like the story about how he came up with the idea. And I think he says he was talking about looking up locations for Holy Grail or Jabberwocky because mm-hmm. he co-directed Holy Grail with Terry Jones mm-hmm. and he directed Jabberwocky. That was his first film. Right. And um, he was in a mining town called Port Talbot. Right. And uh, he was sitting, looking out over the beach. I think he was sitting in a cafe. And the beach, it was a total coal mining town, and mm-hmm. the beach had like jetties that sort of moved coal up or down to ships or something like that. Right. And uh, the, the, uh, it was a very kind of, I think it was a winter day as well, and it was, um, the, the sand on the beach was black in this beach in Port Talbot. And he kind of, there's a, one of the books I think there's a, on the documentary, there's a doodle that he made when he was doing it, and he had this idea of a guy sitting on a grim, dark beach and he's sitting in a deck chair and he's listening to sort of Latin American kind of music mm-hmm. in order to transport himself. Ah. 
uh, to someone else, basically. Aye. And Aye. That's, Aye. I think that's where the idea of the, the song... Aye, I'm sure it was. I'm, sh- I'm sure I'd heard something today, but like it was the day with a song. Mm. Like that it's... Right. The song the I thought there was, like, was, like, there was, a, lot of, there was a lot of terrorism going on in, in Brazil at the time. Oh, cause right, like, okay. I, cause, like, uh, when I was... I like read up about what was happening in the news at the time because oh, right. there must like because it, it's obviously a parody of the time, a satire of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it in any way is like a cautionary tale about the future. I think because at the time there was there was a lot like the uh, flight of Pan Am uh, mm-hmm. and like there's just tons of stuff. Like tons of like terrorism was pretty big in the eighties too. So yeah. on it, I, I didn't pretty big in the eighties. Like what? Calvin Harris didn't put that in his song. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was present. Yeah. And um, I, I never like when I was even like as a younger adult watching mm. it. I think the last time I watched it was maybe like three or four years ago. And um, like when I watched it then, I, I didn't at any point think, "Oh, this is a cautionary tale about like we should look after ourselves, oh, otherwise yeah. this will happen." It's just like, aren't things a bit daft and shite now? Oh, you yeah. know, it's literally just exaggerating everything that's happening. Yeah, at, exactly. At that, it's, 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 it's just full of like so many good wee like inflections of things. Like noticing at this time, I really, really, really enjoyed the signs. That are up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, like yeah, in, the, in the posters and the, the posters, yeah. like they po- they're really well designed, but they're they're ov- they're obviously rips on it. But the things that they say in it are just a wee bit totalitarian, and I yeah. really enjoy that. Like there's a sign that I f- like I, I've not stopped thinking about it since I watched it. It was um, suspicion breeds confidence. Uh, I fucking loved that. I was yeah, as soon as I seen it, I was like, "That's shit hot, man." You know. <laughs> okay, that and there's one that's um, don't suspect a friend, report them. <laughs> you know, it's like they're funny, but they're fucking they're tough. Like you yeah, know, yeah. I really, I really did enjoy that. Like that's uh, that really done it for me. I kind of, you know what? Like there was a lot of um, like every time I watched Futurama, I think Futurama was <laughs> like took a lot for uh, Brazil and and, and it's sense of humour like you know you're not paid to think that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like that kind of shut up and work right. like all that stuff I, I think that was but heavily influenced by results. it's just good how it shows you like how the bureaucracy like the people the people that are that work for the state and the oppression of the state like some of them like they all realise how daft it is mm-hmm. but they don't realise how oppressed by the state that they are as well which is yeah. like when the plumbers come mm-hmm. and they're like oh we've got to fix your pipes and Robert De Niro's there oh, yeah, and he's yeah. like have you got a 27B stroke 6? 27B stroke 6. 27B stroke 6. Now look what you've done to him. Well, have you got a 27B stroke 6? Not as such. We'll get one. All right, all right, all right. Sorry. I'm a bit of a stickler for paperwork, you see. I mean, where would we be if we didn't stick to the correct procedures? We'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> it's like his apartment gets progressively worse as well. He's like, you can't <laughs> leave it with us. And he's like, well, if you blow your nose, you want to fix it anyway. I know. Yeah, no, because the, the whole idea of the, uh, between behind um, I'm a stickler for Robert paperwork. De Niro's character is uh, is that he's freelance. He's, just, he's a freelancer. He got he's working the outside the company <laughs> because, like, the the everything is run by one company. I suppose one has to expect a certain amount. Why? I came into this game for the action, the excitement, go anywhere, travel light, get in, get out, wherever there's trouble, a man alone. Now they got the whole country sectioned off. You can't make a move without a form. <laughs> like, it's, there's like an uh, interview at the beginning of the film before this sort of big explosion. Um, about how, like, you know, is it not a problem that everything is run from one company now? And it's like, no, it's great. It's, you know... Central services. Is that a bit at the start that's about your ducts and you can get yeah, different colours, yeah, yeah. different colours yeah, yeah. of them and stuff? Aye. Um, yeah, no, I love, like, I love the idea that he's like a... 
he's like a vigilante, but he's a vigilante because he's a freelance repairman. Because it's Robert De Niro as well. And it's like just doing freelance repair work, like Dana Homer, as like basically an act of terrorism. Yep. Yeah. You know. See, like that that whole period in the eighties when De Niro started kind of like dabbling a wee bit with comedy mm. and stuff like that, like Real well, Angels and that. That was he's funny. He's, he puts in a really really who, fucking who, who funny performance. There's a stand-up comedian that does it that talks about Robert De Niro, De Niro and like his only line is. Remember when Robert De Niro was an actor? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I can't mean who it is, and it's like it's true. It's like when was the last good Robert De Niro film? Uh, well, at least he's clawing him back a bit with David O'Russell. Like he's he's kind of I know, but like probably good, he's good must be at the point where he's just like he's earned his stars. <laughs> like, 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 bad. Was it Dirty Grandpa or something? Um, oh God! You're forgetting about Rocky and Bullwinkle. He was amazing in that. <laughs> But um, Jesus Christ, I. <laughs> so the the interesting one of the interesting things about Brazil. So Terry Gilliam had done Time Bandits at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and um, Time Bandits were made for a very small amount of money, so it made quite a lot of money. I was handmade films as well, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why you got George Harrison in the soundtrack and all uh, that. And um, uh, I think he had a deal because he, I think he Brazil was an idea that he was playing with for ages, and he had a deal with Paramount, I think it was. Um, and then he met this producer, Arnon Milchin, who had Good just, name. He had <laughs> just <laughs> name. produced um, Once Upon a Time in America and King of Comedy. Jesus. Like, that was the two films that he'd done recently. And um, Sergio Leone and Dick Scorsese. So that, that's basically where the De Niro connection comes from. Right. That's how they got De Niro in, ah, involved. Right. So apparently, it's quite funny that apparently the story about how Milchin and Gilliam got involved is that um, they had dinner one night and after, like, they had sort of a few bottles of wine and stuff and they got a bit steaming and uh, Milchin asked him to agree, asked him to describe the story for Brazil. At this point, Gilliam's version of Brazil was just the, the he just had this sort of floaty kind of idea about the, the the fantasy sequences and the dreams and all that and he, he did like apparently when Gilliam tells a story to a room full of people like he really goes for it with the, the gesticulating and I the, can imagine he's quite a big aye. personality so totally. aye. And, um, a, a room commander aye, aye totally um, and uh, like apparently Milchin you know after they had a few bottles of wine was like I want to make this film <laughs> and then like Apparently that night, it's Gilliam... It's a total like, equivalent of, we should totally start a band. Uh, apparently Gilliam went, went back to his office, canned the Paramount deal, just and just got, got rid of Paramount entirely and wrote up a new contract. And Bella. then like, the next day, Milchin was like, Milchin was like, oh, I, uh, apparently I've agreed <laughs> to make a film. Um, We're a nightmare. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, but I, th- I think like uh, the way Terry Gilliam sort of interviewed about it is he was warned off of Aaron Milchin because he was kind of seen as a bit of a the way he the way Gilliam describes it was a bit of a pirate, a bit of a mm-hmm. buccaneer, and just Gilliam like Terry just Gilliam, uh, well exactly, and Gilliam was basically saying like he hates the uh, Hollywood system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they managed to get the money. They got the funding uh, to make the film. I think Milchin may or brought got the money together to make the film. And then they released it in Europe, and the the Europe everywhere around the world except America was sold to Fox, and then for America it was sold to Universal. They released right. it in Europe, no problem. They got it to America, and Universal went, eh, "We're going to have to change this." Mm-hmm. The and it was this? purely because I think the main reason was that the, they cut the film at two hours and twenty, two hours and twenty-five or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. So Universal requested that it be down to two o five. And then Gilliam cut it down to two ten, yeah. but the reason, like, I mean, you can kind of tell like, that's like the, the reason. The reason behind it is that if you make a film longer than two hours five minutes, you only get certain amount of shows. You only get certain amount of shows in an evening. Aye. You'll probably only get yeah. one. So they had. And a, I totally understand that. Like, obviously, like, because was it Universal funded? Uh, I don't think so. The film was already like Universal just bought. Right, just okay. to distribute, like, uh, yeah. Because, well, who was it that produced it? Because it's it's the producer. That Milton, had, it's Arnold is Milton. It, is it Milton yeah, that yeah, produced yeah. it? Right. Because there was one guy at Universal whose name kept popping up. And Patrick. Aye. So the CEO of the CEO of Universal at the time, right. and like there was a whole mad Sorry. thing. He's a fud. He's a fud. He's a fud. He's a fud. Like, 
It's funny in those situations. Brazil's probably like the first major public one, maybe, or I can't think of any others. But I suppose they had in variety. And yeah, stuff like, that. like they basically had a like Gilliam declared fucking war. He's a male, but he's aye. great. I think he like that's. I think that's probably the reason he's had so much trouble. Oh, aye. like they, there's so much chat about Gilliam. Like you can't. He's uninsurable. He's you know, and of course. The budget Those runs. problems, and there's always been a bit of a curse with these films as well. Like when he was twelve months and what do you call it? Uh, the, Lost in La Mancha. The, the Lost in La Mancha. The yeah. Don Quixote. Don Quixote. And then of course that's still not getting me. No, more know. recently, uh, Parnassus. Oh uh, yeah, I. That, like, that came together really fine. well. Aye. Aye. So yeah, uh, that that kind of became a whole a whole a very he made it very very public. That Gilliam made it public. And he turned it into a fight. Like and he'd done something thing. illegal as well. He was like, I'm going to screen this. I'm going to screen this for journalists. And, and like, yeah, you're yeah, basically organised. Like, you don't have a licence to do that. He's like, I'm doing it. And then obviously he'd done it. And then all the journalists and like, Aye, I think they were like, was... this is fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, he organised uh, uh, some screening, sc- unauthorised screenings in LA. And, uh, and the critics board or whatever they were in LA decided to vote it the film of the year mm-hmm. best screenplay and best director there you go man so Scheinberg basically had to they had to put it out mm-hmm. so in America eventually the, the, the 210 maybe I think cut came out and uh, and then when it went into TV syndication the universal cut that Gilliam's name wasn't I don't think it's even on but I think he was quite happy with that because he was just like it's just the TV version people get to see like the difference between a mm-hmm. Aye. What am I talking about? Blade Runner obviously was a major one around about that time as well. So aye, many aye, cuts of that fucking before, film. <laughs> What's the one without the voiceover? That's the Gidgeon. Aye, um, the director's cut. Aye, director's cut. Aye. The one with the voiceover is... It's chronic. Oh, it's fucking... It's like, it's like the entire bad. film, it's like Harrison Ford actually sitting beside you going, through a door. do you know what's... You know what's going is on? He, he did it bad on purpose as well. Yeah, I totally. Know. I, I know nothing against the big man. I'm just saying <laughs> it's like having somebody. In fact, no, no Harrison Ford. It's like having uh, your your pished uncle beside you. Like, not supposed to signify. You're a unicorn. When I watched, I watched. He's on fun. <laughs> watching uh, Seven with my stepdad for the first time. <laughs> through halfway through it, you figured it out yet? <laughs> Just let me watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, I am. but yeah, no, like, uh, I can, it's one of those films that you can see why that battle took place because it's, it's a dense It's film. conceptual. It's, it's heavy conceptual. Very, it's almost kind of inaccessible in some ways. And, and unique mm, to mm. not just the time period, but like generally, yeah. like how many films have you seen with a budget like that aimed, geared primarily at adults like a fantasy for adults, mm. you know, that uh, that gets made, you just, you just don't. Just, there's there's and, such a fucking craft to it, man. Aye, Like, aye, see, watching it again, like, you, there's bits that always, like, stick with you, and you just keep, like, just when you're watching through it, you're like, that's amazing. I don't think I could imagine anybody else ever doing that. Like, mm. there's a bit where it's the camera's panning through, like, giant, um, no, the camera's moving through, like, giant pipes painted as clouds. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it turns out that it's a miniature because uh, the, the drunk guy, the drunk guy is like at the windy, and I was like, "Who the fuck could ever think of doing that?" Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's just for a cheap shot, just just to sort of distract you. Yeah, yeah. it's like fucking me. That's yep. so good. But there's just tons of bits, like the bit where um, is it? It's Tuttle in it, uh, Robert De Niro, oh, yeah. where he gets like um, eaten up basically by all the papers and all the forms that he's uh, all the forms that he's been sort of avoiding, and then when he goes to get them. He's not there, and it's just all the paper just disperses. Eaten by paperwork. Ah, Yeah, they'll start with some whole mad fantasy sequence. It's like, that's so fucking good, man. It's There's tunnels of bits like that. I mean, even the design of the little, like, one-man car and stuff like that. (laughs) It's gorgeous. The first big dream sequence that really gets me is, um, like, how seamless it all is. Like, uh, she's in a cage, and she's Mm -hmm. being carried. Um, but obviously, she's like she's an angel. She has to fly, so the cage is floating, mm. and it's tethered to all these like you know the trolls. The creature things. Aye, mm. and they're and like you know, and then um, like you know that starts like you know, so he has to like fly up and like release her and everything like uh, that, and like just and then the ground grabs with, a hold of him. And, uh, it's Ian Holm. It's Ian Holm. Aye, like please, Sam. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's still funny, but like see that whole sequence. It's just like it's got that like he's, he, he he articulates visually. How uh, dreams actually feel and yes. flow, ah. 
perfectly. Yeah. Like, it's, like you face a big samurai and it's like next uh-huh. to him like neon stuff in between mm-hmm. these two big crumbling buildings. And the buildings idea of like flames shooting out as he started. Like, I love oh. that team, man. The flames just screaming out as soon as he gets hit and stuff. But it does a... Uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back King, when he takes the mask off, it's him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Have you seen the Monty Python Meaning of Life? Uh, probably no for fucking so, a long time. Like a lot of what? Like some of some of so basically the beginning of that is like a opening feature, mm-hmm. like a short film that's directed by Terry Gilliam. It's called The Crimson Permanent Assurance or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's quite funny. I listened to a podcast with Michael Palin on it recently, and he was talking about how uh, the Terry Gilliam short at the beginning. The rest of the Pythons were all really angry at him because he nearly spent all the money on it. That's Terry. That's your Terry. But like a lot of the, t- it's quite funny. So you've got this moment where it's basically there's all these old accountants that are um, being kind of outshone by big city Wall Street guys, mm-hmm. and uh, they decide to sort of hijack the building that they're in, and then they sail it off onto the. High seas of aye, aye. Finan- finance, and they sort of invade all the big Wall Street buildings and that sort of stuff. But halfway through, meaning the life because it raises the bar like stupidly high in terms of visual so quality. Visual, it's like <laughs> unbelievable. And then, like halfway through the film, the 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 uh, the guys from the opening feature swing into the sketch and start attacking everyone. Mm-hmm. And then there's a voiceover. It's like we seem to have been invaded by the. The, the supporting feature, <laughs> but um, oh, that sense of humour, I think. Aye, like there's one bit that I laughed at really fucking hard this time, and it's when they're at the ironworks, mm. and it's all the guys in the hazmat suits playing beach volleyball. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, as soon as I seen that, I was like, "That is." Oh, the, the security guys singing in the the, the oh, choir. Aye, it's like well. sing sing for your guts. Uh, it's yeah, really, like Terry Gilliam. Um, in terms of like the Monty Python group, Terry Gilliam has always been his own thing because he kind of worked separately from them the animation and he kind of did all the animation yeah. but then one of the things like Terry Gilliam's one of those he's, he's an American that's obsessed with the UK and mm-hmm. um, the story is again I was reading about him recently and the story is, is that like um, I think he was he's seen the way that the I think he was in New York he was working for like he wanted to work on stuff like he didn't work for Mad Magazine but he worked on sort of similar things mm-hmm. and I think um, when he was quite young he witnessed a protest like it might have been a Vietnam protest or something like that but he was there when the nightsticks came out and started, you know, when the police basically went in. And, Aye. But then when it was on the news the next day, it was all the protesters that were doing... That were at fault. Okay. So he was like, I think he had a moment where he was absolutely terrified and then he was like, I'm moving. And he moved to here. All oh, right, okay. Um, but I've always, I find it interesting, <laughs> like, how he nails the British sense of humour. Aye. Like, Aye. better than... Better than most. No, because, like, there's, that's something that always fucking annoy me because, first, like, a lot... Monty Python fans, right? I know, I know. Right. And, like, and we're letting it ease. Oh, but we're not letting in a good way. It's like that like deep way. These, and it's always the same chat, like, Americans don't get irony. They're like, one of the funniest members of the fucking team is American, American. and he's getting our humour better than most British comedians. Plus, Hendo loves Monty Python. Aye, aye. Americans love I love it. Like, like that's hate, like my favourite comedy. I, I hate like, the thing that I hate yeah. is every time something is British and funny, it's referred to as Pythonesque. But I would <laughs> say, <laughs> but I would say I there's there is a there, obviously there's a hint of it in Brazil. But there is like a lot the of cast in of Brazil are brilliant. Like Palin I think is so Palin's great, man. Palin's perfect because he's just like Palin is notoriously is like. The world's nicest man. He's a torture merchant. Aye, <laughs> like, you know, it's obviously Gilliam's daughter that he's like, you know, playing about with uh. stuff like that. You'll never get anywhere in a suit like that. Yeah. Try this. Bye-bye. Bye. No. But, Jasper, I... 
Oh, Wait, uh, there was an interview a wee while ago with Michael Palin and he was talking about how he wasn't happy with um, it was like a big retrospective on like Python and it was like mm -hmm. you know when it was there was tons going on in BBC and that uh -huh. uh, and I was like he wasn't happy with that scene in Brazil and he's like this could be better I could be like more sinister so apparently got like he was like can we get like. I want to be like a family man. Yeah. I want to just take yeah. them, like, you know. I'm supposed to want to have a wee bit. I'm alright, man. man. Aye. You want a wee bit? Aye, man. Are you just want a wee bit? Because you can. You can have Richie's bit. <laughs> there you go, sunshine. Dunker. Uh, so he's like, I want to be, uh, like, you know, I want to seem normal. I'd be like a grand family man. Like, he always gets the child's name wrong. He's like, he keeps calling her Barbara or something like that. Oh, Holly. Like, oh, Holly. Yeah, 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 Barbara's the wife. Right. Yeah, I just keep calling her Barbara. <laughs> Ken has a really weird line in it. Uh, and I've, I've, that was the first time I'd noticed it when he's talking to Michael Palin and he's like, "How are the twins?" And Michael Palin says, "No, they're triplets." Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, how time flies." <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, "What that's the a fuck?" Brilliant line, I was like, that's man. well, that's such a strange line. That's oh. funny as fuck. It's like so the cloning as well, mm. or uh, I was like, "Fuck." No, oh, weirdly, but there's just there's just hundreds to unpack. I just read into it as mindless chat. Like, uh, like yeah. oh, you've got another win now. Like know? he's never <laughs> really aware of what's going on. Like he's yeah. not. I'm just clued into what's going on in his own life. <laughs> a roadblock. What are we gonna do? Stay calm. Don't slow down. Don't slow down. Please, don't stop. Please, please, do as I say. Go, go, straight ahead. Go. Go, go, go. Like Jonathan Price, he's kind of like the thing I love about Sam as a main character is how much of a fucking non-hero he's such a dweeb. Uh, he's the he's the protagonist. He's the hero of the picture, but at no point he's, like, he's a he's never the cool guy. He wants to be invisible, and like in most of the time in those films with the character like he gets thrust into a situation and he comes through. He doesn't. <laughs> he's like he just fucks everything up, and he right. continues to fuck things up right up until the end. And he never really does anything positive. It's always just constantly making more and more mistakes and getting worse. Aye. And like, um, like when he's in the car and he like he puts her fit down on the gas to like uh, go through the barrier, and he's yeah. like, "Oh yes, we did it." It like, absolutely ruins her entire life to the point where basically she gets yeah she gets killed. Aye. And it's all because of him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I I like that as a concept because it's just like here's your. Here's your your hero, your cinema hero, mm -hmm. and you have the moments of him doing hero, heroic things, but they're all in his dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's the guy who dreams about being the hero, but actually he's not going to take any action. He just wants to be invisible. And yep. Check. It's the refund for Tuttle. Tuttle? Buttle, I mean, Buttle. It's been confusion from the word go. He's been overcharged for information retrieval procedures, and someone somewhere is trying to make us carry the can. Hey, can I have a look? I've never seen a refund check before. I'll bet it's Jeffries. Yes. He always believes that people should pay more for their interrogation. And B, he loathes me. We've got to get rid of it. Well, send it to somebody else. Better still, send it to Buckle. After all, it's his check. Yeah, I've tried that, but look, look at this. You see? The population census has got him down as dormanted. Uh, the central collective storehouse computer has got him down as deleted. Uh, Hang on. Information retrieval has got him down as inoperative. And there's another one. Security has got him down as excised. Administration has got him down as completed. He's dead. Le Well, that's awful. We'll never get rid of the damn thing now. Like, the cast is really good. Ian Holm is... Oh, he's hilarious. He is hilarious. Like, so good. Like, like when, when he when starts, he's on that edge of freaking... Aye, because he's, so he's like... Well. But it is that thing that they can relate to, because it's like, 
he's no good at his job, but the he's the people constantly... that, the people that work for him are amazing at their jobs and they're yeah. better than him. So like he always needs to ask them to fix things for him because he can't yeah, do he's it. He's not even a good deliberator. Like, he's just no, just, no, he's like, constantly. He's that guy who's constantly scared of being found out. <laughs> for being shy because like when when um, Sam sends the receipt away and he's uh, like oh thank god thank god for doing that and it comes back and he's like oh she's not got a bank account we can't um, process it he's like well might as well go and hang myself <laughs> I, see, I see him as a reflection of Sam because he's yeah. obviously got there through no experience he's got there through nepotism uh, and remember it's him as well that convinces Sam to like he's like I said it for you, it's alright, you're in. Aye. He's like you've done what? because he's obviously got there that way too I've you know? no he cancels he's does it know that he cancels? He's um, he rejects the promotion. That's what it does. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He rejects the promotion. Then he has to go to Helpman. Is it Helpman? To, go, to go and say, "I want to take the job." Mm-hmm. That's when he meets him in the toilet. When he, <laughs> when he picks him up and shakes yeah. him, it's <laughs> 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 a pish. It's great. Like I think it shows a system <laughs> where everybody's like the, the the humanity has been taken out of it entirely. Because like that whole thing with the tuttle bottle. Uh, mm, that's what I was going to mention that as like it's, it's all like, based on that's uh, chaos like, yeah yeah it's so theory, it's, it's based on uh, one clerical mistake and that's just apparently it just that goes was there. Tom Stoppard's idea of the fly aye Tom Stoppard wrote basically turned Terry Gilliam was like I have this idea Tom Stoppard turned it into a story before it then went back to Terry Gilliam and Charles McEwen uh. um, but yeah no, it's about all these it's about the system where everybody just wants to make sure they're doing their part of the job properly, Aye. and whatever goes wrong, they don't get blamed for Aye, it. It's like cause as long as that. as long as that's because he's like you, he's like oh we're information retrieval, we're no information dispersal. While he's talking you know, to a grieving know. widow, Aye. Aye. And she, Aye. she's like, where? What have you done with his body? And he's like, oh, it's a different it's department. Different department. It's not for me. But um, and everyone's like receipts, or have you got this stamped? Do you know my favourite character? Maybe my favourite character in the film is Charles McEwen's character when he mo- when Sam gets the 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 promotion and he's working in his wee office on <laughs> the table on the desk. But the guy working next door is he's one of the he he wrote the script. Oh, did he? Uh, like yeah, yeah. Oh. but he's so perfect, man. He's Sorry, so busy. Funny. Like the way he's like, to use his console, yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to take my console? That's about I use it. Can you tell me what to do? I think, honestly, he's my That's favorite. Right. My favorite character in the whole film is that guy. Like, I could watch a whole film about him because uh, he's such great. a. Again, he's such a weed, but he's just like, <laughs> and he's so pleased later on when it's not when he's absolved. It's like it's not his fault. And, uh, I need some information on a woman named Lake. A woman. Yes. I know her age and distinguishing marks, but I need an address or a place of work. It's your dream girl, is it? What? Um, look, let me use your console. Oh, you must be joking. Oh, there's a woman involved. There's no stopping me. Right, so let's see. It's broken, but you haven't switched it on. Oh, yes. So, one of the problems Two that fake endings? There's. I think it fakes you twice for uh, endings. Fakes, well, fake, fake me out twice for an ending. Well, that, like, um, so, like, one of the themes of the film is obviously escape through imagination. And, like, I watched it uh, with uh, my girlfriend, and we that was her first time watching it. We got to the end, she went, well, that was a bit depressing. I was like, <laughs> was it though? <laughs> because it's kind of a happy ending, but it's a sad ending. It's a sad it ending. Isn't it? Isn't but he's 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 no dying he's, unhappy. His literally his old, like he's in a system and there's nowhere to go, and his only escape is to go completely insane. Uh-huh. And, and that does, and he's and it shows you his face when he's gone insane and he's living in his dream world and he's heathen. And, and he's then you get that it. amazing end credit music. It's so. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, I like I love the score so much. Like Aye. it gets stuck it's in your good. head for days. That wee riff as well. It's um, oh, there's see it's like see the uh, the actual like in terms of it being bleak and like dep- I don't I don't think it is at all because you're right. He's he's got one direction and uh, like it's it's not a happy ending mm-hmm. in any case. Aye. You know what I mean? So like he's he's in this place where. Uh, it, it dictates that you can only have so much fun 
and it mm -hmm. has to be at the expense of someone else. Like mm -hmm. that's like a huge part of the story. Um, it's all about looking after you, and uh, yeah. you come first. Um, and it's like he just wants to fade to the background anyway. And in that world, it's impossible to do that. You just like as like as like, the full. The full world that he exists in is one big, I don't mean to sound like fucking Banksy, but <laughs> it is but one big machine. Yeah. And he has to work his way through the machinations to, to get to wherever in his career or in his life. Yep. And it's just showing you how tough and shit that is. Yeah. But a big, big part of him getting to where he gets, and this is where I wanted to like go, mm -hmm. uh, like a big part of like what drives him is like falling in love yeah. and every single opportunity he has to like excel and like move forward. He has the, he has so <laughs> many opportunities to move forward. Like you said, he fucks them up, but he only fucks them up in his pursuit of his oh, love. Yeah, a huge message of the film is don't fall in love. After it was do whatever you can for love. Because he's like he's basically gone against his superiors and misusing information and obviously well, that's dies because of it. One of the so does she though. When Universal well. took when Universal <laughs> took the film off of Gilliam uh, and re-edited it, mm -hmm. they decided they were like they they had decided that the theme of Brazil was love conquers all, and like like again I saw an we watched an interview this morning and Gilliam was like I had no idea that's what it was about but okay <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they call the TV cut the love conquers all cut wow, because right. it just ends with them living happily ever after and the. Mm. It's the credits. That's fucking shit. That. <laughs> it's like instead of that, like the like the big fish the shot. <laughs> See the the um, do you know that's filmed in one of those cooling towers? You know the aye. big chimneys aye, aye, aye. out like a, in Croydon, set. which is amazing. And they built this narrow little platform that, out see that, the middle that of it. shot where they first like take his mask off, and it's aye. like takes his the mask off, and it just pans out and it just shows you the so scale it, man. Just, there's a shot in the behind the scenes of them running with the track, the camera on the dolly. But the fact that that's not a map painting, right. like you watch right. it, you're like, fucking hell, that's giant. That shot is gorgeous, and it's and a it's great place to end it. It's genuinely scary as well. It's like terrifying. When he turns and looks at the camera, and you yeah. like, but yeah, it's the mask, that, well, uh, the mask, the mask, mask on. But it's it's how long he holds looking at you. Mm. It's like it's that thing, like um, the the things that really really freak me out, and it's not like you know the jump scares or anything like that. It's it's when something stays on something scary and you're like, I can't even fucking look at that anymore. You know, that's yeah. when that's when you know you've really made something scary. You can be that confident. Plus you're just like, place. check this out. Yeah, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> There is a point to the setting as mm -hmm. well because Christmas is supposed to be a time where 
uh, and it's, they're not really explicit about it. It's, it's so obtuse you can't even like you know. Yeah. This is just an, a theory like that. It's set at Christmas because that's obviously a period of time where you're all meant to come together. And yeah. It's all about you know family and Aye. like bonding and everything like that. Well, and plus, being it's cozy got that like and people and it's got like a certain there's like a fifties artistic style as well and mm. obviously people say that the 50s Christmas stuff is the most idyllic stuff mm-hmm. like it's got like a baby boomer thing and it's got a wartime thing as well as well the like loose lips are noose lips poster it's another mm. one of the posters all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. it ties in with like the the actual art style I love how every well. Christmas present in the film is it's that exact same, same. Uh, um, executive toy yes or no which apparently was very expensive to me yeah, it's like something like four thousand. Jesus Christ! Um, because they, I think they thought it might have been a piece of merchandise or something at some point. Aye. Is it weird because like that's a wee bit of fantasy too? Because they don't. It's that's like chance. Yeah. And the people that actually would be using that, like the executives, wouldn't they be taking chances? They'd be predetermining themselves in their own jobs. No, no. Huh? No. No. You've got it screwed on the night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So to wrap it up. Brazil is very good. It's fucking great. It's man. very yeah. dense. And it's but it's and it's not that bleak. It's funny. It's funny. It's, it's very it's, funny. And it is it's funny. And it's it's enjoyable. And it's got a pace and a thrust to it that just goes and goes and goes. There's mm-hmm. no like any sticky bogged down moments. It's just like well, that's the thing. Like when Gilliam cut it down to two hours ten, it's like he was on the like you have to cut it. He, he, when he got it down to two hours ten, he's he's looked at it over and over again and decided that's. Absolutely, as far as I can go. That's it. Aye, but I think out. that kind of worked his favour though, because mm. I think if it were a little bit longer, it wouldn't have seemed as busy, which adds to the whole theme of the mm. film, oh, like you know, getting lost in all this information. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the, like it, it, it never rushes at any point, but no. at no point does it drag. There's always like more than about a dozen things going on Aye. at once. Like, it's like the I, world is so busy, and if you're not keeping up to date with that world, mm-hmm. then you just get lost in it. Yeah, it's like, like, he's, you know? he's such like Gilliam just as a like a, he's so persevering. He's he's, he's huge. He's nuts. Like he's all about persevering, mm-hmm. and like he's any. Anything that's been flung at him, he's fucking dealt with. He's moved on. He's still mm-hmm. making films. I mean, Jesus Aye, Christ, like, going um, through half the stuff that he's gone through, I don't think I would have done it. And do like, you, have you seen Zero Theorem? Aye, aye. aye. Yeah, aye. it's got a bit of a. It's got a bit of a. Uh, your old dad being... reacts to social media thing going aye, on, but um, it has. Uh, it's got moments because I'm. But do you know he made like, that film remember, for eight million? Aye, and remember how that old he is like as a well. Fucking bajillion million film. Oh. That. Like he's he's an old guy too. Like of oh. course he's going to like respond things like that, like that too. But we, um, I'm, I'm going to hate to name drop here, but I interviewed him a couple of years ago, and like that's fine, man. If I'd met <laughs> any celebrity, I'd be like, I'm and like. I've interviewed quite a lot of directors and actors. I met Lance stuff. Henriksen. <laughs> and I what, got Stephen Jordan a sign a bus ticket. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. But like my experience of that time, I mean, I guess he could be, you know, he could be either way. I could have just got him on a good day, but I caught him at the end of a day of long. Like I was put right at the end of a day of interviews. Like when when I'm interviewing someone, it's usually a hundred more important people, and then me right at the end. <laughs> so like I'm always getting people that are really really tired at the end of the day, and I always find there's two different types. Like you get the ones that sort of come in and sort of flop down in the chair and go, and then they answer the questions and then leave, and then you get the ones that come in and shake the hands of everyone in the room, like the guy who's setting up the lights, and it was just like, and he was like, hey, how you doing? And he was just, and he was so, and he had a wee ponytail and everything, yes. and. Um, and he was like, right, what are we talking about? And he sat down and he was just so enthusiastic and just like the energy that was coming off him. It was amazing to be in a room with him. But yeah. my favourite thing was like at the end of the interview, I was like, by the way, Brazil is one of my favourite films of all time. And he just exploded again. He was like, oh, I hated it. They all thought it was shit. <laughs> I was like, I, I know. <laughs> I've read the book, man. <laughs> Did you get him to sign it though? Did you get him to sign it? I didn't even sign it. I didn't even get a photo. Like I was at that point. Like I try and keep it really professional when when I'm interviewing. So like, the only time I've done it is Kevin Smith. But when I'm interviewing, <laughs> that's the banker. <laughs> no, I'm always like I better not do the photo because. But now I really regret it. <laughs> I think it's fine. When Don Quixote gets made up, <laughs> read the room, man. If it seems like they're as enthusiastic as Terry Gilliam, he's not going to mind a bit of photo for no, no, no. See what one thing I wanted to ask actually was uh, see Brazil. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and sorry, Time Bandits in Brazil and Baron Munchausen, but they all considered, came out in a row. Yeah, they, they're sort of considered to be a trilogy. Like adulthood and yeah they're basically they're, they're, I've heard them described as the imagination trilogy right oh right so, so was it a deliberate thing I because I was going through IMDb it might be like, or it might not be <laughs> but I mean there's so many themes and I it's all about mm, getting lost in your own imagination and but they have that yeah they do have that kind of it seems like and oh, and it's so also convenient that, that it's like childhood adulthood yeah years, yeah, you know? yeah yeah totally so, um, yeah no I never thought of it like that actually but like Apparently Time Bandits, again, was another one who had a little tiny wee bit of trouble with the ending. <laughs> because obviously the parents get blown up at the end of Time Bandits. Oh, fuck it. Aye, that's... And do you know but what? That's I forget like about like that. A... Every time I look, because I hated Time Bandits as a win. But right. I, I couldn't stand it, because it was like, it was too close to home. It wasn't a fantasy for me, because it's like, I was just English folk. <laughs> I see them on telly every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be annoyed as fuck me, eight-year-old, like, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Sassanax, mate. Sassanax. Language It's time for Keyword Roundup for Brazil, which is where we take the 10 keywords from IMDb, 10 best keywords for IMDb for that film and read them out to you. Are you ready? For Keyword Roundup for Brazil. One, British Renaissance. Two, Interrupted Sex. <laughs> Three Cockney accent. Four Commando raid. There's a lot of people bursting through windows. So it makes sense. <laughs> Called John Matrix. Uh, Sliding through windows, through holes in the ceiling. <laughs> five employee employee relationship. Six nipples visible through clothing. <laughs> Seven finger gun. Eight kicked in stomach. <laughs> I want to search that. <laughs> Nine, Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know what a Rube Goldberg machine is. Uh, and then ten, science runs amok. <laughs> <laughs> so that's keyword roundup. Somebody says Brazil's my number one favourite film. Is this G.R. Thompson, Grant Thompson. Brazil's my number one film. Off a deep, meticulous, and I notice something new every time I watch it. Do you have a film like that? Brazil. <laughs> Brazil, aye. <laughs> Brazil, aye. Southland Tales. Uh, oh, aye. Days of suffering. Danny, I'm, I think I'm ready to revisit Southland Ah, you Tales. should. In fact, you know what? We should. The Perrys were doing it, but I'm ready. the geese are shot in the comics. The comics, first. right, okay. Right? Okay, okay. Um, would Baba, would, would Abba, would Babe do... <laughs> That's the one. Says my Christmas film was the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Don't ask. Uh, Don't tell. I uh, hear. I went to see the Santa Claus two at the cinema, and I was well into it. Go <laughs> <Cool>, man. <laughs> Santa Claus has some breakthrough prosthetic effects. Uh, this is actually quite a good answer. I was writing to Tim Allen at the time. <laughs> chemical at Chemical Polly Paul says. That he watches Home Alone and WWF Royal Rumble 2000 while taking many drams. He's done it every year since 2008. I never thought about watching the wrestling. Nice. But that's, aye, that's, that makes sense. They completely like what we were talking about earlier. About nice. That. And what we were talking about earlier as well, at Comrade the Bear says, Jurassic Park and Lord of the Rings, jump her on, snacks it. Jurassic Quats. Park's a good one, yeah. Jurassic Park is, is very much a BBC one. I think we just Spielberg, like Spielberg in general. Uh, Scott Ormsby says he watched Brazil for the first time tonight and he absolutely loves Gilliam. Hopefully, aye, that's a good point. If anybody else hasn't seen it yet, even if you don't like the sound of it, like, there's really, honest to God, n- no other film like it. No, nothing like it. What you go to us? <laughs> <laughs> so, until next time. Sorry that the feedback was a bit rum, but we've, <laughs> we've extended ourselves pretty big for this guy, as we love Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Brazil nuts. That's a good Christmas staple. <laughs> They're too big. <laughs> Just see when you see them, you're like, that's a fucking task and a half, that. Huh? And it's like a dinner. I need a toffee hammer. <laughs> ah, you do. It's like a dinner. It is like a dinner. It's like, my mom's like, get the Brazil And you get a wee sack of them, it's like, four. Brazil nuts are such a parent. What is it about the older generation that fucking loved Brazil nuts? Giant, you know Same what, we should topic. do a stand-up in the mid-90s and ask a question, Richie. <laughs> what's the deal? What's the, what's the deal with what does loving topics? <laughs> I've got a fucking topic in my face. <laughs>
Eine Cannonberg fella. Belter, absolute belter. Right, thanks very much for Aye. joining us and we'll be back next week. Watch, get mind, watch some films. Watch some films and yet again, um, at us, speak to us on Twitter. Twitter handles will be flying yep. about. But and next time you see us, it'll be even closer to Christmas. Just that tiny wee bit of squeezing through your dreams because you're not going to chill me. Oh, I've just bumped my fingers and my daddy. Right. Tell us about your Christmas film traditions, anything you like about Christmas, mm-hmm. your best Christmas toy, we don't care, we'll send talk to you Send us pictures of your slippers. Aye, send us pictures of your right <laughs> Christmas stuff, we don't care, just send us it all, we love Christmas, <laughs> and we'd love to hear from you, and that makes us feel more festive than hearing for you. I'm wearing Toast Toasties. You fucking up. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> oh my it's God. Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> uh, it's Christmas time. The fire's roaring. <laughs> it's roaring, <laughs> Roaring, roaring, roaring on the lever. <laughs> okay. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, thanks. Bye. Central Services. Central Services.